We are continuing our series this morning, When Life Gives You, as in When Life Gives You Lemons. Make something sweet of it. Um, I will let you know that there is lemon pound cake back here in the coffee table in the hallway. Um, Please come have a piece after service because I don't want to take it home. It was my birthday this week, and I have got cupcakes and pie and other pie and brownies and all sorts of things at home. I don't need any more lemon pound cake. So come, grab yourself a piece and remind yourself that with the addition of a little bit of maybe honey, with a little bit of sweet, we can take something like lemons and make something out of it. This morning we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph from Genesis um, and a couple of different elements of the story of Joseph. Now I'm going to tell you something. All week I have been interposing the name Joseph and the name Joshua. So if for some reason today I start talking about Joshua, I have not jumped to another book of Scripture. I am simply cannot keep the name Joseph and Joshua separate in my head. And I don't know why, and I'm just going to apologize ahead of time for it. So if you get confused, that's why. But we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to read from three different places. We're going to read a, one verse from chapter 39. We're going to read a few verses from chapter 45. And then we're going to read one verse from chapter 50 of Genesis. Um, Will you stand with me as we read God's Word together? So we're going to start with Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man serving in the household of his Egyptian master. Now we turn over to chapter 45. Just a couple of pages. We're going to start with verse number 3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified of his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it is not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Return quickly to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and all you have. There I will sustain you, for there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you, your household, and everything you have will become destitute. Look. Your eyes and the eyes of your brother Benjamin can see that I am the one speaking to you. Tell my father about all my glory in Egypt 
and about all you have seen, and bring my father here quickly. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept, and afterwards his brothers talked with him. And now we turn over to chapter 50, verse 20. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers after the death of their father. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. This is the word of God. Read it, believe it, and live it. Let's pray. Dear gracious God, as we come before you this morning, as we open your word and as we study it, may we learn from the life of Joseph and the life of his brothers. May we learn that there are times when you send us places, when there are times when when it seems as if the world is against us, when it seems as if our lives are destitute and barren, and that in those times you are at work. Not only for our good, but often for the good of others as well. So God, as we open your word and as we study it this morning, I pray I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you, our God and our King. Amen. You may be seated. You may or may not remember the broad outline of the story of Joseph's life. We got a lot of it in the reading, but just in case you don't remember, this is what happens. Joseph's father is Jacob, also known as Israel. Jacob, Israel, has 12 sons. He has, actually he has more than that, but he has 12 sons by the women he's married to. Ten of them are, are the sons of one woman. Two of them are sons of another woman, Israel's, Jacob's preferred spouse. And so he shows favoritism to Joseph and to Benjamin. One of the ways he shows favoritism to Joseph, right, is his coat of many colors. Those of you who are alive in in certain decades may remember Joseph and the Technicolor dream coat. Don't turn to Andrew Lloyd Webber for good biblical theology, but it does provide a bit of an image in our head. Joseph was also a bit of a snot, as younger siblings sometimes can be, my understanding is. And so he likes to tell his brothers all about how I had this dream, and you are all going to bow down before me. Now, those of you who are older siblings, how, much, how well would you respond to a younger sibling coming to you and saying, I have a dream that you're going to bow down to me? You wouldn't like it very much, would you? And so finally one day, Joseph's older brothers have enough. And Jacob sends Joseph out to them, and they beat him, and they throw him in a well, and they sell him to slavers who are going down into Egypt. And then they take his coat, coat it in animal blood, and tell their father that he has been killed. When Joseph gets to Egypt, he's sold first to this official named Potiphar. That's in 39 where we saw that. And and he is very successful. Does anybody remember what happens to Joseph in Potiphar's house? 
Potiphar's wife decides that he wants, she wants Joseph too. And so Joseph flees from her, but, but she falsely accuses him of attacking and assaulting her, and he ends up in prison. And it's in prison that he comes known for being a man who can interpret dreams and eventually is called before Pharaoh to interpret dreams for Pharaoh. And because he interprets them correctly and rightly, and because God is with him, Pharaoh does, in fact, place him basically in charge of the country. He, he rules in Pharaoh's stead. And then the day comes when the famine comes, and as we read two years into that, Joseph's brothers come down into Egypt because they hear that there's food in Egypt, having no idea that their brother is still alive, having no idea that their brother is the one in charge of Egypt. And they come before him, and they do not recognize him. They do not know him. And eventually we see what we read there in, verse, in chapter 45, where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and tells them, look, what you intended for ill, God intended for good. And then as we continue through, that there's more of that story, of course, and we get to that, that last chapter, and Jacob, Israel, dies, and his brothers are convinced, Joseph's brothers are convinced that now that their father is dead, that Joseph is going to turn against them, that he is finally going to pay them back for what he did to them. And that is where we, we get that, that last verse that we read from chapter 50, where Joseph reminds them just the same thing he told them when he invited them to Egypt. Look, you may have intended what you did for evil, but God planned it for good, to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. There are few people, I think, in the Bible who have as many ups and downs as Joseph does in his story. He goes from being the favored son to being sold into slavery. And then as a slave, he becomes the master of this incredibly powerful household, of Potiphar's household. And then he ends up in prison. And then eventually he ends up in charge of all of Egypt. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of places where it would have been so easy for Joseph to say, I'm done. I give up. I'm not, I'm not bouncing back from this one. And yet, he knows through the story, through, through his life, he knows somehow that God is with him. He, he, he remembers those dreams that when he had when he was a child. And yes, he, he perhaps handled them incorrectly as, as a young man. But he remembered them. And, and do they not come true? Do his brothers not come and bow before him? Joseph, Joseph walked through life knowing that somehow everything that was happening was happening for a reason. That God was at work. Now, for many of us, we can only see that happening in retrospect, right? We can only see that looking backward. We have that, that expression, hindsight is... 2020, oftentimes once we've gotten through something, we can look back and see really what was going on. 
oftentimes once we get through something, we can look back. I don't know if this has been your experience, but it has been mine. I get through something and I look back and I see that God was at work. That God was using this thing, sometimes very painful things in my life for his glory. Sometimes using very painful things in my life so that when the time could come for me to walk alongside somebody else, I could be, as Hebrews talks about Jesus, right? Jesus, Hebrews talks about Jesus being the sympathetic high priest. Sometimes God has brought me through things so that I can be a more sympathetic shepherd, more sympathetic under-shepherd and pastor, knowing what a, an experience is. You know, there, I don't talk about this a lot for a lot of reasons, but let's just say that my 20s were not great. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just leave it there. My 20s weren't great. I made a lot of what many of you would rightly look at and think of as mistakes in my 20s. And yet, when I look back, it's hard for me to regret. Because while I would never encourage or suggest that people make the decisions that I made, God used every bad, boneheaded, stupid, dumpster fire of a decision that I made to bring me to where I am. Here's the thing. If I hadn't have failed out of college in 2003, there's a very strong possibility that I never would have ended up in Williamsburg. And if I had never ended up in Williamsburg, guess what? I never would have met Audrey. And I wouldn't have my boys. And, and I wouldn't be here. Every idiotic mistake God took and used to bring me to where I am. And so I can look back and from experience tell some young people, don't make the decisions that I made. It made my life demonstrably worse. I can't regret them because God has used them. Now, if I hadn't have made them, God would have made use some other decisions to get me to where he wanted me, of course. But there were things that I intended for evil. I intended for evil against myself that God used and is using for good. And it's not because I'm wonderful and special. I am not the hero of this story. God is the hero of the story. Joseph is not the hero of the Joseph story in Genesis. God is the hero of the Joseph story in Genesis. In a couple of weeks, we're going to come back into Samuel. David is not the hero of the story of Samuel. God is the hero of the story in Samuel. Brothers and sisters, this collection, and that's what it is, it is a collection of writings, but it's also a unified collection of writings. 
And from the first page to the last is a story of God taking the stupid decisions that God's people makes and using them for His glory and our good. And there are some amazing characters in here, right? There's, there's Joseph, there's Moses, there's Joshua, there's Ruth, there's David and Solomon, there's Isaiah and Jeremiah, there's Paul and John. But this story is about one hero, one Savior. That's Jesus. That's God in Christ. This is the story of God at work in His creation to redeem His creation, to bring life from death. And we see in Joseph, we see this beginning to play out. This, this theme that we're going to see through all of Scripture. That God takes stuff. Bad stuff. Mistakes. Your brother's some of, you, some of you have some stories about your siblings, and I know that because I've heard of them. Some of you, some of you received hatchets, hatchet strikes from siblings. Have any of you ever been beaten and sold into slavery? So all of you have a leg up on Joseph. And yet, no matter where Joseph found himself, no matter where we can find ourselves when we remain faithful to God. He will see us through times of struggle and persecution. He will see us, as we talked last week, through the valley of the shadow of death. If we remain faithful. This week, a friend of mine who's a, a pastor at a church in Madison, Georgia, posted something, and it, it sort of convicted me. Griffin doesn't normally post these sorts of things very often, certainly not on, on Facebook publicly. But one of the things that he was talking about is how many people he is continuing to encounter who spent their whole lives in church. People who know the story of Scripture. People who can say that, that they, they believe in God, that they know that Jesus died and was raised again. But when he asks them a simple question, have you ever asked Jesus to forgive you and save you? The answer is no. People who come and sit every Sunday in church. People who, who, if asked by a pollster, would tell them that they are a Christian and yet know 
the story of Jesus, love Jesus, are a fan of Jesus, but they are not a follower of Jesus. What sustains Joseph is not the fact that he's a fan of God. What sustains Joseph is he has faith and trust in God's plan. And God's plan for us, God's plan for all of those whom he would call to himself is this, for us to have faith and trust in Christ. And so I'm going to ask you a question that maybe you have never been asked directly before. I don't care how much knowledge you have of Scripture. I do not care how many committees you have served on at this or any other church. I don't care what your attendance record is. I care about one thing. Have you ever asked Jesus to save you, to forgive your sins? Do you follow Jesus? Not are you a fan. Are you a follower? Not are you a lover. But are you a disciple of Jesus? Because if you want to take the lemons of life like Joseph did and you want to turn them into lemonade, liking Jesus is not enough. You have to trust him and have faith in him. We're going to end here in just a moment with my favorite song from the hymn book. It's Because He Lives. And I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going to sing the chorus one last time. We're going to sing the last chorus twice. Because we always want to anyway. But that song is correct. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. That's what's happening here. Because God was a living God, Joseph could face the next day. Because God was a living God, Joseph had no fear, even when he was in Pharaoh's prison, even when he was in the bottom of that well. My hope for you, my desire for you, my prayer for you and for everyone is this, that you have no fear and that you face tomorrow with a smile on your face. But brothers and sisters, it does not happen for fans of Jesus. It only happens for followers of Jesus. And so as we're singing today, it's okay. It is okay. If, you have, if you've never done this, it is okay to come forward and say, you know, I've never done it. I'm a fan and not a follower. And brothers and sisters, no one is going to judge you. No one is going to think less of you. We will rejoice with you and we will weep and we will cry and we will celebrate just as heaven will. Or maybe you've, you've asked Jesus and you followed him before, but but you're not following him now and you want to get back into it, come forward and pray with me 
that you'd be a follower and not a fan, that you would trust him through the dry wells and the prisons and the shadows of darkness because God will sustain you and love you and he will use all of the things in your life for good, not just for you, but for all of us. Our hymn of invitation is Because He Lives. Will you stand with me as we sing together? Let us sing.